Man, are you glad to be here? I am so glad to be here. Man, I'm so glad to be here. Um, had, had an awesome weekend with my wife last weekend on our anniversary and my brother Neil Lancaster knocked it out of the universe preaching and taught us about the book of Jude, okay? Great stuff. So six weekends ago, uh, we used our teaching time up here and we, we talked about how we wanted to inspire moms on Mother's Day weekend. And the way we did that is we kind of took a close look at Mary, the mother of Jesus. And if you were here back in that, that weekend, you will remember that we kind of took the approach as if Jesus were saying, hey, I want to tell you about my mom. And so we did that last uh, six weeks ago, and it was just really inspiring to kind of motivate and encourage uh, our moms in our church and really see how God used that to inspire them. Now, this week we're going to do the same thing. And we're going to inspire the dads in this room. And we're going to take a close, close look at the father of Jesus. And so it'd be kind of like Jesus saying, hey, I want to tell you about my dad. And when you, when you see what the Bible has to say about that, if you're a guy, because this is about you, okay? It's, a, it's about us dudes here, okay? You're, you're going to see that God uses that in a great inspirational way. So you're, you're, you're in for a treat about this. Now, there's a technicality we gotta clarify here so we're on the same page when we move on. Mo most of us know in this room that the real father of Jesus was God, okay? We, we know that. And so I guess to be completely accurate, since we're talking about Joseph, we're, we're talking about the stepdad of Jesus. And so let me, let me just throw this out there. It's kind of a side thing. If you're a stepdad, don't you ever underestimate your influence. Big, big stuff. And, and so, so what we're going to do is we're going to look at this and see as if Jesus would say, I want to tell you about my, my stepdad. I want to tell you about my dad, Joseph. And, and let's just kind of be honest about that. Let's just admit it, all of us. Most of us in this room, about the extent of what we know about Joseph is that little figurine at Little Manger Scenes. That's about all we know about him. But man, you're going to see some stuff about him in the Bible that is going to motivate you as a guy. And, and I just want to be honest about this. I'll admit it for me. And I think a lot of you guys, if you're honest with me, you'll, you'll be with me there. Most of us dads, man, we could use some help in this fatherhood thing, okay? Whether you're just now getting going or where you've been doing it for a long time like me, um, we, we just kind of need some help with it every once in a while. A lady in our church told me a long time ago, several years ago, she said she was at Kroger. And she's, uh, she's checking out her groceries and there's this guy in front of her and his grocery cart is crammed full of groceries and he's got one of his kids in that little, you know, that little prison contraption you set him in. And the kid is there, and the kid is out of control. Screaming and yelling and kicking and trying to get out of that and grabbing groceries and throwing them on the floor. This kid was just out of control. And this lady from our church is in there watching it. And, and the dad was just as cool as cool could be. He kept getting redder and redder in his face, but he, he just kept kind of whispering and mumbling, be calm, Tommy, be calm, Tommy. You're gonna get through this, Tommy. Hang in there, Tommy. 
And finally, the lady saw the kid grab something, threw it down, and she reached down and picked it up, and she gave it to the guy. And she said, can I, can I tell you how impressed I am about how patient you are with your son, Tommy? And he said, oh, <laughs> you're misreading this. I'm Tommy, okay? I'm Tommy. And if you've ever been in that moment in some setting, the reality is that, that we could use some help as guys. And I hope today when we jump into this study about the, the father of Jesus and what, what he would tell us about his dad, that this will do this for you. Now, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get in the face of us guys tonight. So you just need to deal with that, guys, okay? We're gonna be in your business. And, and when I do that, I want you to know that I, I've been in my own business as I've, as I've dealt with the things that I'm gonna talk about. I was listening to a national radio show recently, and I'm not gonna tell you what show it was, because we're so divided as a nation, some of you'll tune me out, and some of you'll wanna vote me in for president, okay? So, but I'm listening to this, this station that goes all, all over the nation, and the radio host brought up this idea. He said, if, if you could enact a law, you come up with a law that every person in America has to abide by that law. You just absolutely have to. What law would you pick that everybody had to do and then 25 years from now, it will have fixed all our messes? So what law would you pick? And this guy made a suggestion, and I thought, man, that is interesting. And now, you, this would never, ever happen. It's going to make believe. But he said this. He goes, here, here would be my law. Every person is required to graduate from high school. You have to graduate from high school. And when you're done with high school, you got to get a job. And once you get a job, you got to get married, and you got to stay married, and you can't have any kids until you're 25. And he said, if everybody in America did that 25 years from now, we'd be an entirely different nation. I thought about that. I thought, there's probably some holes in that, but that ain't a bad idea. And a lot of our stuff happens because of those things don't happen. So I got to thinking about that from my perspective. And I'm a preacher, okay, give me, give me some slack here. And I honestly believe this with every ounce of my being. And you might not agree with me, and I really don't even care about that. So I'm just gonna tell you, I believe with my heart that here's the law that I would make, is that you have to attend church every week with your family and do everything the sermon told you to do. If every person in America did that, I promise you in 25 years, we'd be a different place. We'd be a different nation. Everything they tell you to do, you do. If they, if they talk about forgiving the person who hurts you, then you forgive them. If they talk about being a positive influence at work, then you put your cheerleader uniform on. If they talk about buying your preacher a Cadillac, you get your checkbook out. Some of y'all were, were here two weeks ago, weren't you? Well, most of us could come up with things like that, that radio show came up with. But if you took that idea and you did a little research, because there are people who've researched this, who've studied this, what would happen? What, what law or what expectation would we have to come up in America that would dramatically change who we are as a nation and fix most of our issues? If you spent the time to look at those things, and I have, most of those real formal 
research and investigation projects usually mention one thing. They come down to one thing. And, the, and there, are, there are people in our current culture today who if they heard this, they'd want to crucify me. But the research suggests that there's one single thing that if we could do, it would dramatically change who we are as a nation. And here's what it is. Make sure every household has the positive influence of a present father. Do you know what would happen in our country if that happened in every single home? It would dramatically change the problems we deal with. And if Jesus were telling us about his dad, here's what he would say. That's what I had. Jesus would say that my stepdad, my dad, Joseph, knew about that. And so what I did in my study to be able to share with you, and I'm gonna go as quick as I can, I'm gonna try to, to, to get moving like Neil did last week. I was so impressed with all that stuff he brought in. Is I took the Bible and I went and looked at every single place where Joseph is mentioned. And he's not mentioned a whole lot, man. We don't know a whole lot about him. In fact, once Jesus becomes 12 years old, we never see Joseph again. We don't know if he died. We don't know what happened to him. There's not a lot there. But every time he's mentioned, it comes back to this, that he provided a positive influence with the presence of himself in the home. And so I just started looking at some of those things in the Bible, and what I saw is that Joseph was able to do this by promoting some core values in his home. And I believe that if Jesus was telling us about his dad, that's what he'd talk about. He'd say, my dad did this stuff right here by these values that he expected in our home. And I'm, I just want to share some of these. I don't even know if I can get through them all. I just want to share some of the ones that I came across. And I think if you're a guy in this room, you're going to come across one or two of these, and you're going to go, whoa. Man, I got I to gotta work on that. Let me show you one of them right out of the gate, and that is that Joseph provided this, this positive influence as being a present dad by doing this. He understood the importance of building a legacy that will outlive you. And guys, I want you to think about that. That when you're gone and you're not on this earth anymore, that you have built a legacy in the life of your children that will keep on moving on way after you're not here anymore. Joseph understood how to do that. This is one of those things that I think you can easily miss about his life unless you look really careful about it. And so here's one of the verses about Joseph. And when I put it up here, you'll say, we look at that at Christmas time. That's the only time we look at this verse. But check this out. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of David. Now, you all heard that, okay? We see that in December. And whenever we look at it, here's what we always think about that verse. We think about the virgin birth thing, okay? Angel shows up, tells Mary, guess what? And that's what we look at that. What we don't look at it, we just bypass it, is it kind of flippantly 
mentions Joseph down here, and then it's got this little phrase that everybody's read, nobody's ever thought about it, a descendant of David. Why on earth did they tell us that Joseph came from King David? Why did they say that? Why is that even there? Why is it there? The next time that you read it, I hope it pops out to you, and you say, why, why is that there? Now, anybody here who has five ounces of Old Testament historical knowledge knows the reason for that. Because it was David, it was King David that God said in the Old Testament, David, we're gonna begin with you and you are going to begin a heritage, a lineage, a family, uh, a concept in which your people are close to God and at the end of that rope will come the savior of the world. We're gonna start with you, David. And if you got any Old Testament knowledge at all, you know that's the whole reason about the David and Goliath story. Remember you little kid, you learned in Sunday school, and we all talk about David and Goliath, and oh, great story. What's the reason for the story? The reason for that story is this verse. That David would take out Goliath, and they would all be impressed with him, and David would be catapulted into kingship of Israel, and that family lineage from David would begin to be people who walked closely with God, and at the end of the rope, that lineage would produce the Savior of the world. Jesus came from King David. Now watch this. Joseph was right in the middle of that lineage. And so this verse was written to say, that Joseph carried on that legacy. He gave that legacy. And if Jesus were talking about his dad, he would say that he carried on that legacy that God began with King David. And so it brings this question to me as a dad. Have I carried a legacy to my kids? When your child or your children are gone from your home. And more importantly, when you're gone from this earth, what are they gonna remember that that is your legacy? What is it about you that they are now carrying on? And guys, I want you to get serious about this. I want this to be heavy with us men in the room right now. And ladies, I know we're, we're dealing with the, the men here, but here's my experience as a pastor for women in churches, whenever we say we're gonna talk about the dads. Here's what women tell me, okay? We're not gonna talk about you ladies this weekend, we're gonna talk about the men. Here's what women tell me. Talk about him for months and months and months and months until he catches it. And so guys, I want you to hear this, that God expects that we are pouring out a legacy in our kids so that when we're gone and they're out on their own, they are carrying on the legacy that they got from our house. And so what are they taking from you guys? I got this little thing in my office, I've kept it, man, now for over 30 years. This little poem, I'm not a poem guy, but somebody gave me this little poem when our firstborn son was born. First week we brought him home. They gave me this little poem. I still got it. 
And it's just this goofy little poem, and it goes like this. My day-old son is plenty scrawny. His mouth is wide with screams and yawny. His ears seem larger than he's needing. His nose is flat. His chin's receding. His skin is very, very red. He has no hair upon his head. And yet I'm as proud as proud can be to hear you say, he looks like me. And, 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 and you find yourself as a dad realizing that what matters is not that your kids look like you. What matters is that your kids act like you. And so I wanna ask you this question, what legacy are you pushing down? And if your kids had to give that answer, if you got kids out of the house, if you went to them right now, what would you take out of that house? And if you got little kids right now, and those kids, you know, get up 10, 12, 14 years old, and somebody goes to them and says, what's happening in your home that you're going to carry with you? What will be your legacy? I'm going to give you one. I'm just going to give you one. And there's all kinds of them, but I'm just going to give you one that I'm passionate about. If I ask every dad in this room, every dad, hey, I'll stand up and I ask you a question again, and I ask you this, 100 years from now, 100 years from right now, do you want your children to be in heaven? And every dad in this room is going to say, yeah, man, absolutely, I want my kid to be in heaven. And so I have to believe every dad be on the same page with that. So, so I want you to listen, dads. I want you to listen up. I want you to focus on me, okay? I want you to eyeball me, guys. We know today, we know that the single most influential person on earth for your children to end up in heaven is you. It's not mama, she's important, she's not the most important. It's not his youth minister or her youth minister, they are important, they're not the single most important. It's not their friends, they are important, they are not the single most important. If you're a dad and you want your kids in heaven, the number one influence that'll lead them in that direction is you. We know that. And so are you building a legacy of faith in your household that will give your kids the greatest chance they can have of spending eternity in heaven? Because watch me, this is radical when I say this, but I want you to listen to this, I want you to hear this carefully. If you push that responsibility off to somebody else, you are decreasing the chances of your child ending up in heaven. Somebody say wow to that. That is incredible. And so one of the things I think Jesus would say, he said, man, let me tell you about my dad. Let me tell you about the guy who raised me. He had a legacy, dude. He had a legacy of faith through the lineage of his family. And man, we just carried it on. The son of God came from my dad, Joseph. Let me show you something else came up I thought was just really cool. I want you to see this. I think the presence of Joseph and his positive influence, I, I bet he was telling, I bet he told this all the time to Jesus, that obedience to God means sometimes you gotta do it when you don't wanna do it. And God says, man, I need you something. I don't wanna do that. And Joseph said, do it anyway. That obedience is not conditional upon you agreeing with God or even that you like what he said. Obedience to God is because he's God and you're not. And so teach that to your children. And I think probably it came up with Joseph. You think Joseph and Mary ever 
talked to Jesus about the birds and the bees? Huh? What do you think? Right now you're completely disgusted at your preacher, aren't you? Even to think that. Do you think that the conversation ever came up where Joseph and Mary had to describe to Jesus where he came from? Do you think they ever had the stork conversation? Can you imagine Joseph bringing that up to the son of God? Hey, I wanna tell you, and Jesus go, oh, I know, brother, I know, believe me, I know. Anybody ever had that conversation with your kids? I have, okay. I still remember my dad having it with me. Anybody who's ever had it and you're the receiving end, here's your response. La, 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 la. You don't want to hear it, okay? So I don't, I don't think when Joseph talked about that to Jesus that it had anything to do with anatomy. I think it had anything to do with anatomy. I think it probably had something to do with the fact that Joseph would look to Jesus and said, I thought your mama was unfaithful to me. And then God told me to do something that was not in my plans. Remember what God said? Check this scripture out. Joseph, son of David, is God speaking. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. What are you talking about? And so a few verses later, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. I think if Mary and Joseph ever talked to Jesus about where he came from, that came up. That was part of the conversation. That if you're going to walk with God, there are times in which God will want you to do something or tell you not to do something that is not what you think ought to be done. It's not in your line of what you think is right but that doesn't matter because he's God and you're not God. Have you ever taught that to your children? Has you ever had the positive influence being a present father in your home where you have that communication with your kids that there are times when you're gonna walk with God that you gotta obey him when you don't want to obey him? Jesus learned that in that conversation. And I found this interesting, I was thinking about that a little bit, that Jesus is hearing from his dad you know, obedience, even if you don't want to. And you remember what Jesus did several years later? Remember it? Remember it? In the garden, night before he died, doesn't want to die, does not want to die. Remember the prayer? Not what I want. Remember? Not my will, but what? Your will. Are you carrying that legacy on in your life in some degree? I never got to meet my father-in-law. Um, he died before I met his daughter, who then would become my wife. And so that's one of the things I look forward to in heaven, okay? I, I just, man, I think that is going to be so crazy when I get to meet my father-in-law for the first time in heaven because I never met him. And the closest that I get to know him is through his family and his kids. And I learned different things about my father-in-law through watching their life. And, and I've learned a little bit about him um, by his headstone. And I've been to his grave, I don't know, dozens and dozens of times, my wife, and, and they put on the back of his tombstone his life verse, the verse he lived by and loved so much, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And many, many of you know about that verse. It talks about trusting God and lean not on your own, what is it? 
understanding, okay? I'm going to trust him even though I don't even agree with what he said. I'm going to trust him. And my father-in-law lived that, and his family have carried that on in their life because he created that understanding where that was taught in his home. And I just think it's interesting that that is a part of Joseph's story. That Jesus would say, I want to tell you about my dad, man. I want you to know what he knew about obedience. And so dads, really, have your kids ever seen you obey God when you didn't want to obey him? And you did it because of the right thing. What a legacy to carry. Let me throw you, show you one that I, I just love this one. And I really don't even know why it's in the Bible other than it apparently is important uh, to God. But I would say that Joseph would have done this and Jesus would say, man, I gotta tell you about this, about my dad. And, and the concept is in a positive way to teach people that we are to help people crawl out of their own ditches, okay? Now, I don't even know why this is in the Bible. I'm not, I'm not real sure why it's there other than God thinks it's important. But back up a little bit, okay? And, and Joseph is before the dream, you know, before God says, hey, I want you to go to marriage. Before any of that, Joseph, man, I'm getting rid of her, okay? She is unfaithful. I am getting rid of her. She's not even honest with me. She said, never been with a man. She's pregnant, and I'm gonna get rid of her. But Joseph, because he was the kind of guy he was, was not gonna make it a public deal because in that day, in that culture, that had ruined her. If you, if you are a divorced woman today, you, you, can, you can recover and you can make a great life and you can go get it and we got examples all over. Back in that day, no do, no, 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 no. You were ruined if you were a woman and divorced back in then. And Joseph knew that and so Joseph says, and watch this, he says to a woman, who he thinks was unfaithful and is lying to his face about it. He says this, hey, we're done, but we're gonna do this under the carpet so nobody knows, so you have a chance to make it in life. Why is that even in the Bible? Do you think that ever came up when Joseph is talking to Jesus? I believe it was a story that Jesus knew everything about because they talked about it. And Joseph described that there are times in life when people are gonna let you down and they're gonna do you wrong. And what Christians do, what godly people do, listen, we don't write people off. We, we don't tell people who are in ditches at their own expense we're done with you. That's not what we do. If you want to get out of the ditch, if you want to help out of the ditch, we're going to help you, even if you made the ditch. And Jesus would say, my dad taught that to me. Have your kids ever seen you do that? Have your kids ever seen you forgive anybody? Have your kids ever watched you look at somebody who's made an absolute mess of their life, it's all their own fault, and you went and said, let me, let me help you out of that. Let me, have, your kids ever, have your kids ever seen that to happen to you? I can think of no other reason why it's in the Bible other than God wants, watch this, from the generation to generation to pass on the importance that we live with grace. Some of y'all remember me telling the story a number of years ago when I'm driving home after a dinner party with my wife. It was a Christmas party. We were all decked out and uh, just all pretty and everything. And I had a suit on, she had a dress on. You know, we're cruising on home. It's a terrible night, cold, terrible, snow, craziness. And we're going on this old road, and I saw this car over in a ditch. 
and it stuck down ditch. It's trying to get out of that ditch. Snow was probably six inches deep. They just couldn't get out. I pulled over. I'm going to go out and help. I see two guys trying to push this, and I think, I'll help. You know, they need one more hand, and they'll get out. So I get back, and we're pushing, man. It is freezing, snowing all over, and we're pushing, and that car would take off, and we'd get it right up to the top of the ditch, and, and, and the driver would load up on the gas and come right back down. And that happened three or four times, man. I am covered in mud. They're covered in mud. I am mad. I finally yell out, does that guy know how to drive? And this kid next to me said, no, man, that's my five-year-old son. I didn't think he could push. I, I go up, open the door. Here's this little kid. Hold on. To, and he's scared to death. Car got going. He let go of it. I tell my kids that. They go, you're a goofball, Dad, for, for even doing that. I, I want my kids to know that their dad, and to be honest with you, I haven't done very good with this, that their dad is the guy that helped people out of ditches. How many of us had dads who, this is what they taught us. They made their bed, they'd sleep in it. Anybody ever hear that? Huh? Okay. My dad's was, you want to dance? You got to pay the band. Hey, Dad, what are you even talking about? I want my kids to know that when we see people in ditches and they want to get out of the ditch, we're going to help them. And I don't know why else it's in the Bible other than God wants that passed along. And Jesus, Jesus, watch this, Jesus, the one who looked, the woman who had caught in adultery and said, I'm not going to let him kill you. Jesus, the one who looked at Peter and said, I'm going to give you a fourth chance. Jesus, the one who looked at the guys who were hammering the spikes and said, God, they don't, they don't even know what they're doing. Forgive them. Why could Jesus do that? Because he learned it from his dad. Let me show you something I, I thought was really cool. And we're going to be done here pretty quick, so just hang with me. I know we're running tight on time here. Mother's Day sermon a few weeks ago, we talked about when Jesus was telling about his mom, and we used that story about when they were on a trip, and uh, Jesus was 12, and they lost Jesus. And we talked about that on Mother's Day, about the protective instincts of the mom why don't you go back to that story for a minute. I want to show you something that, that happens there, and I, I think it's kind of interesting. And we're going, to get, we're, we're going to get tough here, okay? So just brace with me, guys. Um, you go back to that story, and they find Jesus back at the temple. He's 12! And they find him back at the temple at the church, talking to the teachers and the leaders at the temple and asking questions. He's 12. Look at this. After three days, who's frantic? Anybody frantic? Three days, we, we can't find him. They found him in the temple, back in Jerusalem court, in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. That'd be like if you took a family trip to Walmart down the street and you're a 12-year-old, you just lose it. You know, where is that? Where in the world did it go? You find me back here 
at Eastside Christian Church, sitting with me in my office, asking me, Dave, what do you think about the dispensational argument on the millennial age just returned uh, about the Jesus Son of God? And you're going, what? He's 12. That's what's happening here. Now, why, why is that? Have you ever asked yourself, how in the world does that happen? Because he's 12. Now, here's what we say. Well, he's the son of God. You know, come on now. He's not a normal kid. And that's, that's true. He's not a normal kid. But I don't think that's why he did that. I think he did that because Joseph had taught him that spiritual aspects of our life, that living for Jesus and walking with God is not something that you do at mediocre level. Now hang with me, check out this core value of his presence. Never settle for spiritual mediocrity. Every 12-year-old Jewish boy knew about God. Jesus wanted to know God. Anybody with me? Every 12-year-old Jewish boy knew about the Word of God. Jesus wanted to know the Word of God. And here was this little boy, when it came to his spiritual life, that he excelled in it. And why did he excel? Well, yeah, I know he's the Son of God. I get all that. I think there's more to that. I think he's hearing at home that we just don't settle for mediocrity in our walk with God. That's not what we do in our home. Guys, what are you teaching about that? Now, let me get busy with you here. We're doing a great job in our world today trying to get our kids to excel in education. And I think that's great. And we're doing a great job today trying to get our kids to excel in sports and athletics. And there ain't a thing wrong with that. I think that's awesome. And we're even doing a great job helping our kids to excel in careers. We have the smartest young people in the history of our world in America right now. And I thank God for that. But lean with me, lean with me. Don't miss this. With all that going on, excelling kids, investing in kids, doing everything for kids to be the best they can be as adults. With all that going on, how come we are teaching them that it's okay to be mediocre with God? How come we're doing that? Yeah, we want you to know about God, but I mean, you don't have to know him. And we want you to worship God when it's convenient, you know, you can fit it into your schedule, but don't, don't go building your weekend around it or anything like that. And, and learn a few of the things he says in his word, but I mean, don't go crazy with it uh, about things that contradict society. Excellence in everything and mediocre with God. And we teach that in our homes, dads. We teach that in our homes. I think Jesus went to the temple because his dad taught him that when it comes to your walk with God, you rise as high as you possibly can with that. Have your kids learned that from you? Let me show you one more, we're gonna be done. And I'm just gonna mention it. 
I, I wrote the value like this. As I looked at, at Joseph and what he did in the family and this presence and positivity, I, I think he would say, show it more than you say it. I think Jesus would say, that's my dad's theme. Show it more than you say it. You say, what do you mean by that, Jesus? Watch this. Good little trivia thing for you. Watch this real carefully. We do not have in the Bible one word that Joseph ever said. There are 31,000 verses in the Bible. There are almost three quarters of a million words in the Bible. Over 700,000 words in this Bible. And not one of them belonged to Joseph. Not one. What, what's, what's that trying to tell us? And I'm probably reading into it but I needed another point in my sermon. So I'm probably wrong on this and I'll get to heaven and God won't be happy that I said it. But anyway, I, I wonder if what we're hearing there is that if Jesus were telling us about his dad, he would say this. I don't remember anything he said, but dude, I remember how he lived. And dad's, and then we had brothers and uncles and cousins and grandpas. We need men who will live this stuff. And I'm not talking about that I'm gonna talk about it and I'm gonna word it because they're gonna forget what we say. But they will not forget what you do. I think that's incredible to me that somebody is important as the one man who raised the Son of God, we don't have a record of one thing he ever said. Because it doesn't matter. It matters what he did. The Baseball Hall of Fame is in Cooperstown, New York. I've never been there. I know some of you have been. In 1993, uh, the, the Hall of Fame had this whole period of time where they, they shut down because they wanted to do periodic seasonal cleaning, and they just kind of cleaned the place like crazy. And a worker found an old photograph on the wall behind a cabinet. It was, it was taped to the wall behind a cabinet. And they found that during cleaning time. And it was this little old photograph. It's a picture of this overweight guy in this, looked like a softball uniform, skin tight, with the wording on the front of it, Sinclair Oil. So he played for some softball team somewhere called Sinclair Oil. And somebody stuck his picture on a wall. And they kind of made note of that. And a national sports magazine got a hold of that. And they ran, a pic, they ran a story in 1993 about this crazy picture in the Hall of Fame behind this cabinet. And the guy who put it there saw the article. And so he called Cooperstown and he fessed up and he said, I did that. And they said, what'd you do that for? I mean, you're not in trouble, what'd you do that for? He said, because I had an incredible dad. I had an unbelievable dad. And my dad died. And he was a big time baseball guy. And so I took his picture and I came to visit the museum. And when nobody was looking, I put a piece of tape on the back of that picture and I reached behind that cabinet and I inducted my dad into the Hall of Fame. 
And here's the deal, dads, because you're going to understand this. We're not looking for our kids to induct us into Hall of Fame because it has nothing to do with our glory, does it? It's about their future. And God said, I leave that up to you guys to make that happen. Now here's what we're gonna do. Um, we're just gonna stand up and walk out of here, okay? No fanfare, I'm gonna say, thanks for being here, go home, okay? Seriously, we're in church like that, okay? But I'm gonna say this to the dads in the room, because I, I, I sense that there probably are some dads in the room. I mean, if I was sitting where you are, I'd be one of those guys who you heard a thing or two, you kind of like, whoa. And so if, if you have sensed uh, guys, okay, dads, that, you know, I, I gotta do something about this. As soon as we all leave, okay, about two minutes after I say, okay, we're done, I'm gonna, I'm gonna meet you guys right here. You know, don't feel like you come up here, but if God has touched your heart, I'm gonna meet you up here. And I, I wanna share something with you for a couple minutes. And I want us as brothers to embrace and ask God to help us do this. So if you wanna be a part of that, come on up. You're an awesome crowd tonight, okay? If you're one of our guests, go steal one of our gifts back there, okay? Take it home, enjoy it, have a great weekend. Happy Father's Day. Dads, come on up and chat with me if you want to.